Dungeons and Drimbus is rated R for rude language, rough violence, and raunchy humor. I do declare here's what happened previously on Dungeons and Drimbus. After wrapping up their investigation at the Ramif's house and discovering the plot to kill Job, the group met Ostrogon, the antisocial wizard in his tower, and discovered Job would sometimes steal for him in exchange for gold. Then they met Cat Hara from Groomsha's Brew, the coffee roastery, and Dart McNeil, the innkeep at the tavern, and found a card for Valentine Investigative Services within Cat Hara's belongings. Finally, they decided to take an offering on behalf of Jeb Getty, the town blacksmith, to his grandfather's old worshipping site in the forest, where they came face to face with a little creature called a Chwinger. Your Honor is back in session, I do declare. Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. It tilts its head and then... It looks really excited and it shakes its hands and then spreads its arms out and up. Like imagine a little kid like excited for a hug and you hear a twinkle as you feel something happen to you, but you're not sure what. Like it feels good. Like it's a nice feeling. Something happens to you. Uh, oh did he take a piece of your soul? Give it back. No, no. I, it's more like a, a blessing kind of feeling, actually. Uh, I could be wrong, of course, and I don't have much experience with feeling, but that could be it. I'll <laughs> is that it, little friend? It doesn't have a face, but you have a feeling that if it did, it would be smiling at you. Well, that's incredibly reassuring. And as you are talking, it looks at you and whatever hand motions you're making or gestures, it like a second behind you is like mimicking you. Uh, oh, how fun. Okay. Hmm. Gerber, do you have any questions? I feel like now might be the time to As ask if it's going to answer, it's a... Well, we can try. It's, it's like, have you ever played charades, All right, Gerber? so what? We're going to clap twice for yes, clap once for no? Is that what we're going to do? Maybe. All right. Well, what, what would we ask? Do, do you know Job? Clap twice for yes, once for no. It does a cartwheel. Okay. Uh, if you can understand me, clap twice. It tilts its head at you. Yeah, it doesn't... See, there's no point. Well, let's not just... I'm sure there's a point. No, I mean, yeah, we can't talk to it. I, I don't know how to talk to it. Maybe Jeb does. It starts running around, like, at the base of your feet in, like, circles. Like, it is having the time of its life. It starts climbing up one of your legs to, like, try and get onto your shoulder. Oh, my. So it can come along. And then it, it runs along your arm and jumps down on top of Gary. Oh, it's down. It's, it's my hair. It starts grabbing, what? like, strands of your hair and, like, looking at it. Like, it's, like, studying something. Oh, it's in my oh, <laughs> Yeah. I'm okay. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. All right. Okay. And Dorothy's gonna place her hand out to have the little friend climb into her palm. Hopefully, it puts a little foot in your hand. (laughs) (gasps) My son used to act like this. So you have experience. So you're fine. You're going to be fine, Gary. Don't worry. Come on, little friend. Come, step, step. I promise it's safe. It steps on. Okay. We just taking that with us. (sighs) 
slowly and cautiously, Dorothy would like to start walking towards the exit of the alcove and just to see how... As you start walking to leave, it jumps out of your hand and runs into the gold ore. Like inside it? Yeah, like it runs inside of it. It kind of phases through and pops a little head out to look at Uh... you and then like hides back inside and then pops back out. I think we've done something. I mean, you've been cursed or blessed or whatever and... uh... I can't call that to witness to the stand, so... Uh... Yeah, I think we just took a weird acid trip just now, and, uh... I don't know if we should tell anybody what just happened. Oh, Gabriel, come on. Live a little. I'm just trying to make sense, and it don't... It, it... Well, clearly, there are stronger forces here than we could have even imagined, correct? We can agree with that, at least. I think Jeff's just into some weird shit, like... I... No, I think it just proves that, there, that, that Joe, you know, might have been onto something when it comes to the divine forces of Sapir. Do you think, like, three little guys, like, stabbed Ansel? Is that what happened? I don't know, I, but you know what? You know what I do know, Gerber, is that we really just cannot cancel anything out at the moment, and, um, I know it's not as much information or the information that we were hoping for, but I do think that we have something to work with. Yeah, yeah, I just wish Jeb would have filled us in a little. This is, uh, not what I was expecting at all. You want to go to the mine? I suppose so. We see Jessica and Thomas, as well as Gary and Dot, heading from opposite directions into the mine at the very northern end of town. And you guys meet up at the entrance. Well, great time and on your guys' part. Good to see you. How was the woods? To be completely honest, very strange. That's putting, that's an understatement. Some strange things. Wow. Well, uh, we met up with that cat, Hara, and the owner of the tavern, Mr. McNeil. Uh, they didn't seem to have a lot of information. They both arrived into town the night of uh, the incident. That cat, Hara, lied to me, though. Oh? Oh, what do you say that for? And I pull out the Valentine Investigation Services business card that I found, and I say to Jessica, she knows exactly what this service is because I found it amongst her personal belongings. <gasps> oh, no. Can I see that? Sure. Do either of you know what this is? God, do I? Roll an intelligence check. She run a scan. <laughs> oh, right. 22. You remember, and you don't know if this is connected or not, but what you the thing you do remember is the name of the prosecution that you met with earlier today, Monique Valentine, the Red Tiefling. Katara's, I believe, is working with Valentine. Uh, Monique Valentine. Do you remember from this morning? I do now that you mention it, yes. Oh, of course. I. How silly of me to have forgotten the prosecution. Oh, they're doing exactly what we are. Oh, they're looking for dirt. Oh, we have work to do. We need to check these mines. And sh- Dorothy's going to give the card back to Tommy Boy for safekeeping. Was Katara, how was she speaking to you? Was there anything suspicious about her? Do you think she actually might be a little deeper into this than we might think? I would say so. She's very cozy with that bartender. Hmm. And the bartender, McNeil, seems to be very invested in the ongoings of Katara's town, as well as the uh, financial well-being of Anzel's family. So there may be more there than meets the eye. This just gets juicier and juicier, doesn't it, gang? It sure does. Uh, Tony, don't do that here. (laughs) Do that in the forest. (laughs) All right, shall we check out these mines? Oh, absolutely. I don't know what we'll find, but we might as well. Hello? 
Is anyone out there? Hello, hello, hello. No one responds. Looks like we're alone. Jessica will enter the the mine proper if we weren't already. Certainly. What would you like to do in the mine proper? Roll a, a perception check proper. Go for it. Uh, 15. So you enter the mine proper and you see there are a number of different tunnels. And so let's say you take maybe 30 minutes or so as you kind of walk down each of them and see what there is and it just seems to be different mining tunnels there are occasionally you see kind of tools left behind wherever presumably someone was mining not too long ago Uh, you see lots of different ores there is a a small vein of gold left at one point Uh, there's silver somewhere else there are various gemstones as well in other tunnels can i take those well they're like in there like you would have to spend some time mining them out As you investigate very closely, you notice some tracks, like, you know, footprints, basically, that lead around. You see human footprints, and you also see what you presume to be kobold footprints. The kobold footprints, as you follow them out of the cave, kind of seem to trot off into the forest, and the human ones seem to trot south back into town. Well, should we follow these kobold footprints? Maybe Job has some uh, some relatives we can get to chatting with. Oh, maybe that's Job's. Well, these footprints might lead us to where Job was residing. Is there nothing else here other than the footprints? Not that you can see. And gemstones, which would make a nice price and make this all worth it. So I might <laughs> spend some time here getting those gemstones out. All right, I will follow the kobold footprints. You follow the kobold footprints, and it leads you to a beautiful little spring in the forest. And now you finally notice around the spring, there are bones and other pieces of refuse tucked away in a corner, basically, and very rudimentary little, like, bedding kind of set up somewhere. And you get the feeling that someone has been living here. Job was hanging out in the, uh, the, the springs here. Nick, you wanted to stay in the mine? Yeah, so I can mine the gems. So let's say you spend the next two, three hours mining. What would you like to mine? The gemstone ore. Okay, so you find something that looks like some sort of amethyst, like it's purple and beautiful. And you uh, you start slaving away at the mines. Tony whistles something for you as well. Oh, Tony's with me. All right. <laughs> All right. What would the rest of the team like to do? All right. Hear me out, gang. Yeah? Tommy boy, I know you are just completely against the whole divine force thing, but... When Gare Bear and I were in there in that little alcove and left a, 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 an offering on behalf of Jeb Getty and that family, well, let's just say something beyond our understanding came to us and was actually quite charming and was lovely. I, I, had, I had a wonderful time. I wasn't scared or anything like that. But all this is to say, if Job was residing here for a period of time and was let's say, continuously bringing offerings and worshipping whatever gods are known to Sapir, he very well just might have been protected by such a force on the night of Ansel's murder. I know it might sound a little crazy, but, well, damn it, there's been crazier. Right. If we're done with the crackpot theories, let's move on to the real oh, investigation. Thomas, Thank you. Come on now. You need to at least hear the poor thing out. I heard her. I sat here, quiet Jessica, listened to everything the robot had to say, and it was all nonsense. Go no. ahead. Tell me what you've come up with. Because you seem to be doing so much on your own, yet nothing has come out of it. So please. What do you. Uh, nothing has come out of it. We've learned so much. It's thanks to me that we learn of the plot to murder. 
our client, thank you very much. There's plenty of motives from almost everyone that we've met. The motive of the art school with Juniper. We learned about the murder plot from Mia. We learned about Jeb and his ongoings with forging weapons. He may have created the murder weapon that we have not found yet. There's tons of information that I have discovered. And what have you done? Talk to a wizard that does nothing. At least not that I've heard of. You've yet to tell me. Well, that's a whole lot of ifs, Tommy boy. We have a whole court case to learn about from these witnesses more information. And we don't know what the prosecution's going to dig up. We may have plenty of evidence that counteracts what they say. All right. So what are we still doing? Shall we leave? Okay, I'm going to roll an investigation to look through Job's stuff. <laughs> One. You go blind for a second. <laughs> oh, God. The spring is funky. Oh, well, who's this little fella? As you point at the little fella, the little fella points back at you. Oh, this is so cute. And I, I start to do the Macarena. It does the Macarena right back. Then I start to do the chicken dance. You start to do the chicken dance. And I wag a little finger to, like, Come here, come here, come here. It pulls out its hand and wags a little finger at you. <laughs> and then it jumps onto your hand and crawls up your arm. Oh my goodness gracious, this is such a cute little thing. So what's your name, little fella? Do you have any uh, thoughts? It, it puts cares? both its hands against your face and feels your skin. <laughs> Tickles. <laughs> Jess, it doesn't talk. Oh, Okay, that's a, just a minor disappointment there. <laughs> it looks very sad and jumps off your arm and hides inside the gold again. Oh, no, it's not It's not their fault. If enough time has already been wasted, why don't we just head back and pool our data together and see if we could come up with a solution? I would love to swing by the tavern one more time before we go. For what, Jessica? I wanted to pick up some food. <laughs> you know what? I'm pretty famished myself. I could go for a little food. You swing by the tavern just after the sun sets. It's roughly 8 o'clock now, and you walk in, and sure enough, you see Dart and Cat are still there, and Dart goes, Hey, what can I get you? Um, I was wondering, do you have any sandwiches available? Uh, I got a pork chop sandwich. Oh, yeah, I'd love, absolutely, I'd love a nice little sandwich. All right, uh, I'll get to work on that. Just give me, like, five minutes. Okay, thank you so much. Cool, and he goes into, like, the kitchen in the back. So, Kat, how have you been since I last saw ya? Pretty good. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Yup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Kat, this is our friend here. Uh, this is Dorothy. Dorothy, Kat, Kat, Dorothy. Hello, Dorothy. Hello. Hi, Kat. I feel like, I feel like I, I, I know you from somewhere, but I just can't place it. Have you ever been to Brookhaven? I can't say I have, Kat. Hmm. Well... <laughs> I'm, a, I'm sorry, I wish I could say I, I recognize you, but I'm afraid I don't. That's fine. Uh, do you by any chance know, uh, oh, what, oh, Jessica, I've, uh, what's the name, what's the, oh, uh, Monique. A uh, Monique, do you, do you know a Monique by any chance, Kat? Mm. Monique, Monique, Monique. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I know a Monique, but, uh, do you have a last name? Oh, I'm afraid I don't. Hmm. Have you ever been to Groomsha's Brew by any chance? Uh, I'm sure I have. Maybe oh, once well, or twice. That's that's my brewery, me and my orcs. So. Oh, well, that must be it, Cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I've been looking for some advice. I was wondering, do you think I should cut my hair I know I have lovely, long, flowing hair, but sometimes, you know, it just gets in the way occasionally. Oh, I think it's quite sexy. I would keep it. Oh. 
sex? Why, thank you. <laughs> that's uh, that's very kind of you to say. Okay, can I walk into the kitchen? Sure. <laughs> Just gonna barge in. Hey, buddy, this is an employee-only area. What, what can I do for you? And I'm going to try to deceive him. McNeil, I have some terrible news, and I guess this is where I would roll to see if this works. Roll and then tell me what you're saying. <laughs> A 12. McNeil, I have some terrible news. I know you and Kat are quite friendly with each other, but it appears she may be seeing someone else as we speak. I don't know if this news brings you with great sadness or whatnot, but it may have something to do with the Ansel murder, so... Please, McNeil, I know you're close to her. I need you to divulge any information you can right now. Wait, who, who is she seeing? Oh, a, a very strapping gentleman. I didn't get his name. I just saw them chatting with each other. Not but moments ago. Damn, I knew it was too good to be true. I, I'm so sorry, <sighs> McNeil. What do you have for me? Uh, I could make a second pork sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll see you later, McNeil. Goodbye. All right. And I leave the tavern in a huff. <laughs> Oh, the entire tavern. You're going to just wait outside now? Yes. He very broodingly smokes outside by the stable. <laughs> okay, well, uh, my goodness, that must be such a quality little sandwich back there. And then Nigno comes out with the sandwich. All right, one pork sandwich. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And you see Cat goes, oh, this man loves his pork, and puts a hand on his, and he like, very suspiciously eyes her. Uh, well, I appreciate all your time. Thank you so much. And I uh, take my pork sandwich and I head for the door. Dorothy will follow. As we get outside the tavern, I turn to Dorothy and I'm like, ha joke's on him. I didn't even have to pay. Keep walking, Jess. Yeah, the, the, the distraction was too good. With the sandwich in hand... I am going to head for the tower. Oh, oh I love you, Jessica. <laughs> I take the wizard knocker and I knock thrice upon the door. Yes. Oh, hey there. I swang by because I have a little something for you. And I hold up the pork sandwich to the knocker as if he can smell it through the knocker. <gasps> you hear sniffing. Oh. Now you smell like divinity. I swung by the tavern and uh, picked you up a nice scrumptious little sandwich for you. Oh, well, I greatly appreciate it. Of course, and I uh, I was hoping maybe uh, we could come in and chat just briefly while, uh, while I give you the sandwich. Um, oof. That's, uh, we can chat through here. I start to kind of like twirl my long raven hair in one of my fingers and I'm like what do you mean like someone that's so influential to like the founding of the town I thought like it would just be nice to kind of like meet you and like chat and like watch you eat that big old sandwich <laughs> roll a persuasion check oh it's a six no <laughs> he goes look I really appreciate it I We'll gladly accept the sandwich. I'd like to answer any questions. I mean, this is, honestly, this is the most interaction I've had with anyone in quite a long time. You, I doubt there's anyone alive who's had this much conversation with me. Not even Job? Uh, 
No, not not really. We didn't, like, chat. So he was more of a means to an end for you, then? It was a mutually beneficial relationship. I see, yeah. So, why would you send him to rob a farm for ingredients? I mean, I'm sure that this family's been around for ages, and I'm sure you've seen them grow up and things, and you know that the farm has been struggling, so why would you do that to them, hey? You know, sandwiches... Did anybody uh, do anything to upset you in any way? Um, no, certainly not. I, like I said, I, I really don't involve myself in the conflict. Oh, God, that's not so good. Please, please just put the sandwich in the knocker. Oh, but now you have to understand, I'm very confused as to why you, you say that you wouldn't involve yourself with the common folk, but I keep seeing all these things that don't add up. Like, you've involved yourself with Job, you've involved yourself with... Jeb's family as well previously, so I'm not quite seeing where you uh, get off here, buddy. Okay, well, if we're being honest, yeah, the, the town needs to prosper. I, I'm not involved in the daily affairs, but the big picture stuff, uh, you know, I, I was close with Oman at one point in time, so it feels a little bit like an obligation. Uh, he gave me opportunities when other people wouldn't, and so I just look out for them. Sure, I created the forge many years ago. Uh, I also kind of blessed uh, the the farm a bit. Why do you think that coffee tastes so good? You think you think nature grows coffee that good? Come on. So, is there any sort of protective spells laid over the farm that you would know of? Protective? Not really. No. So, what kind of magic is on the farm then? In that case, largely fertility. I also um, a little bit of alchemy in the way of genetic modification type stuff to uh, create specially flavorful coffee beans, that sort of thing. I see. Very entrepreneurial of you. Very nice. Dorothy, did you have a question that you wanted to ask? I'm sorry, dear. I keep chatting. Oh, it's all right, Jess. I just wanted to know if you had any more uh, information on that alcove in the back of the of your tower here within the forest. Oh, you found the gold? Oh, the alcove. We found the gold, and we also found this adorable little creature. Little creature? What do you mean? Four inches high, spiky, wild hair, white mask. Fred, I didn't know anything about that. Could you describe it further? What kind of creature was it? Friendly or hostile? A friendly. It's a chingua, if you will. You familiar? A chingua? Chingua. Chingua. A twinga. A twinga. Oh, twinga. Yes, I'm familiar with the twingas, I believe. I have a tone here that... Uh, let me see. And you hear, like, some papers ruffling through the knocker? Uh, yes, twingas. I didn't know they were found in this area. That's incredible, actually. Do they have any sort of protective magic for, like, those that might have been kind to them? Mm, perhaps. Uh, let me teach you something in practice. Would you mind sliding that sandwich into the knocker, please? How about you cut off a piece, Jess? Fine. Half a sandwich, and I will answer your question, and half when we're done. I tear off half the sandwich and put it in the knocker. You shove half the sandwich in, and you see it, like, <laughs> like get sucked into the knocker. And then you hear, mm. Oh, pork Sam. Oh. Yeah, you see some. When you make an offering. Mm. Oh. Mm. Mm. If you treat a twingle well, like giving them a delicious pork sandwich, uh, they've been known to give uh, magical gifts every now and then. No one quite knows what the magical gifts are. They could be any number of things, but certainly if you're asking about Protection, I suppose uh, perhaps some sort of uh, magical protection spell would absolutely be possible, Hmm. yes. Well, I appreciate all of the information that you've given us there, Ostrogon. 
Um, here's the other half of that sandwich. A deal's a deal. Oh, thank you so much. Mm, mm. Oh. oh, yes, that mustard is so good. Well, I don't normally get uncomfortable, except for right now, so shall we? I think we shall. Well, Ostrogon, it's been absolute pleasure. I hope uh, somebody else is able to bring you those sandwiches in the future, or, uh, well... At the very least, you get some sort of food because you don't want to starve up there all by yourself. You know, I just realized, yeah, I would actually appreciate that a great deal. I hadn't thought about it in that way. Uh, perhaps not having him go to jail would be wonderful. Um, all right. And then, as this is happening, Gary comes out dirty from the mine with a little bag of gems. Gobble, gobble. I'm a goblin. Gobble, gobble. Well, where have you been? What do you mean, I've... I stayed in the mine. Oh. Yeah. Well, um, we've gotten everything we can here, I think. So uh, shall we uh, head back home? I got what I needed. I still got to put food on the table for my family. So, uh... Thomas, are you with us as well at this point? Yes, I am. Hello. Excellent. So uh, I have a bit of a working theory here. We can chat about it on the road, shall we? Yes. Yes. And so we see Gary riding Tony the Pony, Thomas riding Popcorn, and then we see Jessica and Dot riding Wade as it is roughly now, let's say, 9, 10 o'clock. It is a six-hour journey back to the court. You are going to be arriving just in time to prepare your case before the trial begins. So... Discuss away. I think, Job, we have evidence that he was living back there in the little alcove springs area clearing. And obviously, he would steal food, he would bring it to Ostrogon, and then from there he would get gold and he would bring it back, give the offering, and he would get the favor of those little magical creatures back there. And I have a feeling that when he went to steal additional food, he had a protective spell on him that then caused the incident of the murder. I am inclined to agree with you, Jessica. I think they blessed him with some kind of impenetrable force field so that when when Ansel tried to stab him, it broke the pitchfork and uh, he impaled himself on the handle, driving into him. Oh, mm. and that would bend the pitchfork as if he stabbed it into a wall exactly. as to a body. Exactly. The thing that just doesn't add up is the is the triple-pronged oh, wound. It. That's the only problem. Unless maybe, maybe that's why there was no weapon found. Perhaps the protective spell, when he took the pitchfork to stab Job, yep. the magic pressed against it, causing it to bend in that way. But then it also materialized a spiritual weapon, perhaps, behind him and stabbed himself in the back in that manner and through the front, spurting the blood onto the handle. So, like, uh, he stabbed a voodoo doll, which inflicted the wound on himself. I'm just saying, who deals in spiritual weapons? That would be Jeb. And who sent you all to go make an offering in that clearing in the forest that would be jeb well he did say that he hadn't been there since he was a child and he had he mostly had been putting things in the fountain True, he also could have been lying i will say circling back to the witnesses thing there really are no definite witnesses to the crime so we could really try to build a case on the whole circumstantial evidence angle and we could really work the jury over about the fact that they cannot convict unless there is an absolute, without a doubt, certainty that this poor kobold Job did it. 
that might be enough to get him off. Well, Joel did say that it was just him and Ansel in the field. I think there may be two things going on here. The protective force, which is why Job wasn't murdered that night by Ansel, and an actual murderer that may have been going to kill Ansel at the same time? No, I think that the spell on Job made it so that whatever wounds were inflicted on him would happen to the attacker instead. Job just lives at the uh, cove. He just probably got those protections uh, naturally. Being a believer in those gods. Yeah, that's true. I still think my theory that Juniper <laughs> may be involved in some way. I just, I don't think the motive there is solid enough. Killing your father to go to an art school that you were going to be sent to anyway if your father was doing well with the farming. It just doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, I don't see how killing the dead would get her. So what's going to be our opening argument, everybody? Our statement. Where? How do we, how do, we do this? That. It's a good question, Jessica. I suppose our opening statement could be the avenue of potential self-defense since the attempt of murder went in the direction of our client before it went the other way. The thing is, it can only be self-defense if he was aware that he was under threat. And I don't know if the self-defense thing is going to hold up, especially since he was trespassing on their property. But also, the self-defense wasn't even really self-defense. Right, so it's just innocent. Right. He just so happened to be, quote-unquote, blessed. I just, I feel bad because I just feel like we don't have any, like, really material, solid evidence to get, like, a nice case. It all feels very circumstantial, kind of on both sides. I think it's just, just going to come down on to who's able to sway the jury more in their direction, eh? Witness questioning might be our key to finding new information. Yes. Take I need a, a week to think about this. I thought you said you could do it in a day. No, one of us said that. One person. We, we can't do it in a day. We have all of our information. We can do it. Tommy boy, if you feel well prepared enough, then I assume you'll be taking the lead on this. Uh, yes, of course I will. All right. Uh, yeah. This will be good for you, don't you think? I think so. Are you sure? You seem a little unconfident about <laughs> taking the lead on that. I am perfectly fine. I was born to do this. All right, that's the spirit, Tommy boy. Well, since I'm riding behind good old Dorothy here on this good old steed Wade and I just pat Wade's side, I might just get a little shut-eye while we head back home. And with that, Jessica will rest her head <laughs> on Dorothy's back and uh, close her eyes and, and start to rest. As you do that, you begin to slide off the horse, but Tony the pony runs to catch up so that uh. your body kind of lands on his head and he keeps oh you nice and safe as you guys ride. <laughs> The ragtag group of lawyers ride together for six hours west. As you arrive back at the courthouse, the sun is already rising. It is roughly 7 a.m.-ish. You dismount your horses. You hitch Tony the Pony to the station next to your horses for the last time, as you know your rental will expire soon. And you enter the courthouse. You meet up with Job again in this kind of private room as you take the last 20 minutes or so that you have before the trial. So, Job, just to retread some ground there, you said that there was some sort of divine presence. Yes. Now, did you ever meet with, like, a, a, a four-inch uh, little fella? 
where you were staying? Yes, the messengers of the gods. Ah. Great. Did they get any uh, sort of friendly with you at all? Occasionally, yes. And and how would that friendship kind of uh, materialize itself? I would feel divine energy flow through me. Huh. Wonderful. Job, are you absolutely certain that there was no one at the scene of the crime other than you and Ansel? I am positive. Only me, Ansel, and the presence of the Lord. Oh, goodness. Oh, uh... Did he stab you from the front? It was from the back. Oh, damn what? it. Ah, voodoo magic. There we go. Do you believe you murdered him, Job? No. No, it was divine intervention. If I must live the rest of my life in punishment according to your judicial system, so be it. I will continue to worship the gods, for I can do no wrong in their eyes. Were you aware there was an attempt on your life through the use of Moonberry? No. Man of many words, I see. Yeah, that doesn't seem to phase him one bit, did it? <laughs> <laughs> many attempt to exterminate me. I assume the goblin would know this is standard fare for a monster. I think that's uh, I think that's all the time we have, Job. Uh, you know, it's going to be great. We're going to do great for you. And one of the reclaimers enters the room to take Job into the courtroom. Howdy, everyone. It is Giancarlo Herrera, your favorite DM here, with a few quick announcements. Today's episode is actually brought to you by us. We just recently launched some new merch. We have an iconic line of t-shirts as well as this beautiful embroidered Drimbus hat that I think you'd all love. But actually, surprise, surprise, I think Dot and Jessica have a little something to say about that. So I'm going to let you guys listen to them. We rewind to a few days prior and zoom in to a small shopping center in the eastern Orgaic region. Jessica and Dot, it is your girl's day. Ah, oh my goodness. Finally, we've been trying to do this for ages. We finally were able to get away. Yep. Well, <laughs> you know, we're just going to do all kinds of fun shopping and, uh, and then we can go have a nice bite to eat, a little something to nibble on. I don't eat. Oh, don't you worry. You can always just watch me eat. Well, uh, ooh, let's just head down this little uh, thoroughfare. I think it's, oh, Whimsic Street, is it? Oh, well, you know, we'll just find something along the way here, I suppose. All right, uh, Jessica, roll an investigation check for me. Oh, it's a 17. Okay. You see the usual assortment of shops here. You see Hot Apothecary. You see Abercrombie and Bitch. You see Macy's, spelt M-A-Y-C-I apostrophe S. Macy's? Macy's. But out of the corner of your eye, you catch a new store called the Drimbus Shop. It is a neat little wooden storefront. Very modest, but very cute. And on the signage, you see this little dragon-like creature in the shape of an ampersand with an upside down ice cream cone? It looks more like a snake to me, Dot. What do you think? I think it's a hybrid. Well, uh, let's go check it out. Why not? Uh, Jessica will head towards the storefront to enter the shop. You enter the storefront and a bell rings and you see an assortment of shirts and hats displayed and behind a counter you just see a bearded man sitting there scribbling in a leather journal. Oh Well, hello there, sir. My name's Jessica oh. Felcher. <laughs> Hi, hi, uh, uh, hi, I, I'm Giancarlo Herrera. Oh, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance, and this is, and Jessica will point to Dorothy. Hi, doll, I'm Dot. P -p -p 
pleasure to meet you guys. What 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 can I do for you today? Oh, well, we were just having a little girls shopping day and we were just checking out some of the stuff. This stuff is really cute. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, whatever you guys want. We have uh, uh, T-shirts. It's it's an iconic line of T-shirt featuring uh, little dice and, and drimbuses, swords, shields, wands, whatever you want. Uh, oh, and we have these embroidered hats. Beautiful. Look at them. Who doesn't love a nice embroidered hat? Look at it. Little drimbus on the front. We have it in black. We have it in white. Uh, anything you want, ladies, please. Well, those hats are really cute, don't you think, Dot? Yeah, I think I'll take a white one. And you know what? I'll do the same, please. Wait, really? Oh, absolutely. Two hats? And you know what? And Jessica goes over to feel one of the shirts, and she's like, oh my goodness, this is just so gosh darn soft. Oh, you know what? I'll take one of the black tees as well, please. Go ahead and grab me one of those too, Jess. Okay, and uh, which color? Did you want the black or the white? Get me a black one. Okay, two of the black and two white hats, sir. Two shirts and two hats? Yep. And the man, he just runs into a back room and starts shouting. You see there are like five other people in the back room and he goes, And Dot is going to lean over to Jess and just say, Jess, are we witnessing a man in distress? I wouldn't say distress as much as absolutely crushing uh, desperation. Jessica takes the gold out of her purse that she owes for the shirts and the hats, puts it on the counter, and she goes, uh, Okay, well, uh, I've, I've left the gold on the counter there. See you next time. And Jessica starts to walk out. Hi, I'm Sarah McLaughlin. For the price of one t-shirt, you can help support a podcaster. Go to Drimbus.com or search for the Drimbus shop on Etsy to purchase the iconic line of t-shirts or the Drimbus hats and save a group of podcasters from their cruel fate. If you're interested in buying some merch, just go to our website, drimbus.com, or search for the Drimbus shop on Etsy. I really think you'll love our designs, and if that's not enough for you, we are offering a limited special edition Drimbus phone case. It's only available to patrons, and it is only available to patrons who sign up before the end of this month, June 2021. So you are running out of time if you are interested in getting that. And now for the shout-out. Today's shout-out is actually going to one of our sister shows, Should I Buy It? though. Do you like video games? Do you have a really hard time deciding whether you should spend money on them or not? We got you covered. Should I Buy It Though is a video game review show where players of different experience levels, tastes, and interests discuss your favorite games and decide whether you should buy it though by a group vote. New episodes every Thursday, wherever podcasts are found. And finally, we'd like to thank our patrons. Special thank you to Jerry Benetados, Queso Loco, Terrence Knox, Kevin Dubberlet, John Mitchell, and Victoria Madrid. If you want to support us, consider checking out patreon.com slash Drimbus to get fun stuff like our After the Show show, After the Drimbus, and tons of patron-exclusive content. That said, thank you all so much for the support. Let's get back to the show. And we cut to the courtroom for your very first trial as a group. One of the reclaimers speaks up. I'll rise for the Honorable Judge Gardner. And you see a dwarven man with a long beard in a judge's robe 
walk up, take a seat, and he says, Please be seated. By the power vested in me by the people of the Eastern Orgaic region, I do declare court is now in session. May justice prevail. We are here today to determine if punishable harm was caused in the case of Job, the present kobold. The accused bears the claim of murder against one Ansel Ramoth, a farmer from the town of Sapir. How does the defense plead? Not guilty, your honor. I do declare the prosecution may now take the floor for opening remarks. And you see Monique Valentine. A red tiefling in a beautiful suit, stand up. Thank you, Your Honor. And may I say, you look absolutely dashing today. As do the fine jurors. Might just have to move my tail over to this region to find me a spouse. <laughs> but I digress. We are here today to serve justice. Ansel Ramoth was a simple farmer. He not only provided for his family, but his village and the greater society at large. If any of you have ever had the pleasure of trying a heavenly cup of Groomsh's brew coffee, then you have tasted the blood, sweat, and tears Mr. Ramoth put into his crops. Three moons ago, Mr. Ramoth heard a rustling in his fields. Now, let us be clear. Ansel had been suffering thievery for years. I see his daughter is here today. Sweet little Juniper is an artist. And being a good father, he had been scraping away every last copper piece he could to let her follow her dreams. Sick of seeing his daughter's education funds plucked out of his fields in the night, he went to investigate and found the defendant there, Haven. The defendant then chose to steal Ansel's life. He took Mr. Ramoth's own pitchfork and murdered him with it, as the evidence shows, leaving him to bleed in the fields. She turns to the jury and begins gesturing passionately. The loss is immeasurable. A daughter's future in jeopardy. A heartbroken widow. A town's economy hangs in the balance. I think it's plain to see harm has been caused and justice must be served. She places a hand on the judges. The prosecution rests, your honor. <laughs> Defense. I do declare you may take the floor for your opening remarks. Well, first of all, Your Honor, before I deliver my remarks, I would just like to bring to the awareness of the jury how woefully underprepared the prosecution is. They mentioned in their opening remarks that the pitchfork was taken by our client and stabbed Ansel with it, which is completely false as there are no blood traces on the tip of the pitchfork at all. Therefore, no stab occurred into Ansel from Job. One of the reclaimers brings out the pitchfork and shows it to the jury, showing that that is indeed true in here <gasps> from the jury. So as you can see, complete impossibility delivered by the prosecution to your ears. I would just like to apologize to everyone in the court for that distraction. Plus one. Yes! <laughs> Plus one, baby. <laughs> On to our opening remarks. It is quite simple. Our defendant is not guilty. And you all cannot prove otherwise due to the simple fact that no one, absolutely no one, was there to witness the murder. Yes, it is true. Our client was in the town the evening of the murder. However, so was Juniper. So was Ansel's wife. 
So were two next-door neighbors and their baby. So were two individuals in the tavern. So was a wizard living high in his tower. Everyone was in the town the night of the murder, but no one actually bared witness to the murder. Therefore, you cannot possibly say that it was our client. It is all speculation. And that is why our client did not murder him. The jury goes, hmm, very interesting. Thanks to your presentation of the evidence, as well as your essential motion to dismiss the case based on the circumstantial evidence, roll for opening statements. Uh, D20, you are going to get plus two. The prosecution gets plus one. 16. Okay, the prosecution got a nine. (laughs) So, roll a D8. Okay. Lawyer damage. Lawyer damage eight! Yes! No way! All eight of the jurors have been swayed in your direction. Okay. Uh, Thank you. The prosecution may now call any witnesses to the stand. I do declare. The prosecution calls Mia Rameth to the stand. Mrs. Rameth. And you see Mia Rameth come in dressed in a, a very nice dark gown looking kind of sullen. She takes a stand and Valentine goes... Mrs. Rameth, can you please tell us what you saw the night your husband passed away? Certainly. I had turned in for the evening. Ansel had spent the day in the fields. Uh, He knew Miss Harrow would be coming in soon for the coffee beans he was growing, so he was worried. Uh, His harvest had come up short before. He heard a noise in the fields and ran out to drive it away. Next thing I know, I hear a scream, and I ran out in my nightgown to find him laying on the ground with a pitchfork in his stomach. I... Objection. How could the witness have heard that there was scurrying in the field if her husband didn't come back to report that to her? Because they were together in the bedroom, you numbskull. Because he was in the house, and he went out. I thought he was in the field. In the future, please be more careful before you make such bland accusations of the witnesses. Plus one to the prosecution. Damn. My apologies, Mrs. Ramuth. Please continue with your story. I held him while he died. And you see, Valentine hands Mia a tissue. Thank you for that, Mrs. Ramuth. I know it must be difficult. And know that I believe you, of course. Did you see anyone else at the scene? Yes. Who? And Mia points at Job. The jury gasps. (gasps) You're saying this kobold was at the scene of your husband's murder? Are you certain? Yes, I I couldn't forget that face. The prosecution rests, Your Honor. Defense, you're welcome to cross-examine the witness at this time. Mia, at exactly what time did the murder occur? I don't have a clock exactly. I, um, it was late, late night. Near midnight, almost. Near midnight, so it was pretty dark. Yes. Is our client the only cobalt that exists in the world? Um, no. So, if it was quite dark out, how could you be absolutely sure that the person that you saw in the field was our client? I think I'd remember the face of the person who killed my husband. Much like I remember the face of the person who used magic to charm me against my will to try to get evidence out of me. (gasps) Objection. Objection, your honor. Uh, relevance. Sustain. Yes. (laughs) Please strike that from, from the record. Here's the thing, Mia. You're saying you saw the face of our client at the scene of the crime. However, as our client will testify when they're up here on the stand, they saw absolutely nobody. So that seems like a very big inconsistency in your statement. 
Ah, cobalts have dark vision and Mia is a human. So how could a human see so clearly, more clearly than a cobalt who has dark vision at night? Hmm, plus one to the defense. Yeah! <laughs> well done, Goblin, well done. I, I, I don't know what to tell you. I, I saw him, I saw his face, I remember his face. But it's only your word against his. There's no way for you to be absolutely 100% sure that it was his face that you saw. I mean, aside from me telling you that that's the face I saw, I don't know what I could do to prove it to you. It may be that you have an ulterior motive here for blaming our client. Objection irrelevant. Well, I don't know how irrelevant it is, Your Honor, if you allow me the time to explain to you what I mean. I'll entertain it. Our little family here, beautiful family, Ansel, Mia, Juniper, they've been struggling to get their crops out on time to Katara and the people over in the city they were delivering it to. The reason being was they were having troubles with you know, maybe some pests coming over attempting to take their crops or... Yes, the kobold had been stealing from us for years. Mia, <gasps> again, how could you prove that? We've seen... We've been dealing with him for years. We know. If I may, really quickly, when you... Can you expand on dealing with him? Well, he had been stealing from us for years. We would catch him running out of our field all the time. What did you try and do about that? Uh, erect fences. Anything else? Keep an eye on the crops. And you chose now to talk about this instead of reporting this when it happened? Well, what were they going to do? It was. It didn't feel like a serious enough crime to take up the time of the good people of the Eastern Orgaic region. All right. Well, all I want to say is, if it didn't feel like a serious enough crime to involve the people, I mean, I don't see why you'd have to stoop to trying to murder him. That's all. Objection! The defendant is on trial for murder, not the witness. <gasps> oh, no. Would the defense like to clarify? We would, actually, Your Honor. The witness that's on the stand right now may have been in possession of some poison, specifically some moonberry. I pulled them out. <gasps> moonberry. A poisonous plant when ingested in the body starts to take over and shut down within hours. Or, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> now Gary, would you like to tell the court what that poison was used for? These poisonous moonberries were going to be used to murder our client Mr. Joe. Objection. Relevance <laughs> to the case. Very relevant. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Your Honor, it goes to the motive of the widow as a possible suspect in the case. Sustained. Plus one to the defense. These berries were found under the feed bag in the basement of the farm and were going to be used to eliminate the client. The jury gasps. <gasps> it was also found inside one of their own livestock when it unfortunately accidentally landed into the digestive tract of one of their swine, Jeffrey the pig, and he looks at the jury. You look at the jury and you see Juniper looking down like at her feet, very sad. The poor little pig suffers to this day. <laughs> yes, that, that, um, or am I done? Are you done? Mia, we're just getting started. Why did you choose not to tell the court about this little uh, incident with the moonberries? I didn't think our moonberries were relevant. The moonberries, the poison meant to murder someone is not relevant to a case about murder? And what is poisonous berries doing on a farm but it's meant to grow and provide nutrients? Well, we sometimes use it as a pesticide if uh, we have a particularly bad swarm of insects. And... 
We use it to get high? Uh, oh, a... <laughs> and you see the, the jury just kind of like go, uh, there's very like, confused murmurs in the jury. So Mia, were you high on the night of the event? No. How could we be so sure of that, Mia? How could you be sure I was? Well, you're out here claiming to have seen things when you really, you were not even able to with your human, sad human eyes. Objection, racism. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sustained, the Warforge will cease to make derogatory remarks toward other races. Oh, I'm so sorry. I wasn't even... I have no idea that that was derogatory. No way for me to know. I would just like to bring light to the jury that uh, poisoning your crops as a, as, a, as a pesticide and then selling those crops to people to consume? It's not a very smart... It's uh... not terribly uncommon to put a topical pesticide on a crop. And then wash it off before harvesting. This is not a pesticide, though, Your Honor. This is Boomberry. It's a poison. Yes, in small doses, it works as an excellent deterrent. Are you an expert <laughs> on such things, Mia? I'm a farmer. <laughs> yeah, she kind of is. <laughs> Plus one to the prosecution. <laughs> Damn it. This is clearly an unreliable witness who did not see what she thinks she saw, who may have been high for all we know, and intentionally withheld evidence when questioned about it from the court. I suggest that we strike everything she said thus far from the record and remove her as a witness from the court. Objection. She provided the evidence when asked. The contents of her home are none of the court's business unless stated otherwise. And by being under the influence, There is no evidence that says she was under the influence. This is absolutely preposterous. I mean, she did say she used it to get high. Those words came out of her mouth. And there was evidence of Moonberry being found by the pig station outside. Yes, but there so is no evidence as, got there outside. is no evidence as to her intoxication that night. Alright, sure, but then you're saying I mean, she said the words. They came out of her mouth. Are you saying maybe we shouldn't be listening or taking seriously all the words that come out of her mouth? Yes, and I used to drink cheap supermarket coffee. And now I drink delicious Krumsch's brew. Well, All right. Shall we put that the to the test then and place a bit of this Moonberry into your coffee and see if you get high? Air quotes. Did you just uh, threaten me with murder? <laughs> if, you are, if you are claiming that this is not a poisonous drug, then we can go ahead and uh, place it into your coffee. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. It's called microdosing. Jesus Christ. <laughs> your Honor, excuse me. This is currently the defense's turn to question the witness. The prosecution has spoken out of turn several times. When are you going to take control of the your courtroom, sir? Excuse me, I do declare. Oh, no. Jessica, you fool. <laughs> the defense's motion to dismiss the testimony of the current witness is denied. Please, finish your cross-examination. Your Honor, no further questions. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus Christ. All right. Your Honor, the prosecution calls Cat Hera to the stand. Ah, Proceed. Good. This is good. You see Cat Hera, the orc with the bright red mohawk, walk up to the stand and seat herself. Miss Hera, where were you the night of Ansel Ramif's murder? I was with him. <gasps> what? Huh? <laughs> Care to elaborate? And you see a little smile cross Valentine's face. You see, I had just gotten into town for the harvest. Over at Groomshire's Brew, we just expanded our partners. We're now serving five locations in Opula. Mr. Ramif's crop is unparalleled, and he was excited to walk me through some of the new techniques he had implemented to increase yields. 
As we were walking the fields, we encountered the defendant pillaging his crops, at which point he lunged at Mr. Ramif. They struggled for a moment, and the kobold leapt atop him, bashing his head in with the blunt end of the pitchfork, uh, which I believe would explain the uh, bloodstain as pointed out by the defense, but I'll leave that to the lawyers. Uh, He then turned toward me as I ran away. There you have it, Your Honor. An explanation for the inconsistency in the evidence and an eyewitness account. I don't know if it can be made any clearer for the court. The prosecution rests. Defense. I would very much be intrigued to cross-examine this witness, Your Honor. Proceed. So, Miss Hera. Yes. I am very intrigued as to the change in your story. Now, you told the defense, is this correct, that you had just gotten into town and the events of the night had already occurred. Is this true? I'm sorry, when did I say this? You said this to us just yesterday (laughs) when we interviewed you at the tavern of Mr. McNeil. I'm afraid I've never met you before. (gasps) Oh, bitch. And she says it with stone-cold sincerity. I'm so sorry. This is the first I've met you. All this travel and, of course, the commotion with the murder, I... Oh, my head is in a tizzy, really. I'm, I'm so sorry. Have we met before? We certainly have. Hmm. We met uh, at Mr. McNeil's tavern. We interviewed you specifically regarding the events of this case. I'm sorry. I feel like I would remember that. Uh, I'm sure you do. Miss Katara lying to the court is a very bad offense. Well, I assure you I'm not lying. Well, if I may, no one... This has not been mentioned. This has not at all been brought to our attention that you were even at all involved, which seems to be... A hefty withholding of a bit of evidence. And our previous witness stated that she saw no one other than our client at the scene of the crime. Well, of course, I I ran away after the stabbing. You ran away. But wouldn't you, wouldn't you, you would assume that the wife of the man you were working with would have known that you were working with him that night. But she does not claim that one bit. Well, you didn't ask her who he was working with. You asked her who she saw at the scene of the crime. Yes, but he had been with her most of the night, and then he heard a noise, and then he went out. So you couldn't have been working together. Yes, something's not adding up. You couldn't have been there. He only just ran out, and then there was the noise, and then the wife came running. There is no amount of time in this that makes sense to the story that you are telling this court, ma'am. Plus one to the defense. Brilliant, there you go. Yes, yes, Jessica. The time period of this just does not line up, ma'am. Are you lying to this court? Uh, I'm, I'm afraid not. You see, um, I'll be completely honest with you. Shouldn't you always be? Yes. Um, Miss Ramif and I have had a bit of a falling out in the past. I don't wish to bring dirt up to the light, especially not after such a tragic event, but... There were feelings of insecurity and jealousy, and so uh, she did not feel comfortable with uh, my working with Mr. Ramif after dark, and so uh, we had meetings in secret. And so I was waiting for him in the field when he came out. He came out with a pitchfork, uh, uh, and he he told me he had heard a weird noise, which I, I had also heard as well. And we went to investigate together. We, you see, it was a big harvest, so uh, certainly we were... Um, concerned, which is when the events went down as stated. 
Oh my god, and she rolls rock solid again on her deception. So, Miss Katara, you stated to the court, helping us very graciously understanding the inconsistency in the prosecution's opening statement regarding the pitchfork, you said our client grabbed the pitchfork and used the blunt end of it to hit Ansel. Is that correct? Yes, that would explain the blood on the the other end of the pitchfork, as you pointed out. Supposedly, you said that he hit him on the head, on the temple? Yes. Right. That is an inconsistency with the autopsy report that we've collected as there were three stab wounds in the stomach region of our client and that is where he started bleeding out from. So your testimony makes no sense. Plus one to the defense. I I don't know what to tell you. I can only explain what I saw. Perhaps he was stabbed somehow, turned around. I... I don't know. That's It was too dark for you to comprehend, I imagine. Also, you ran away from the scene, so... Right. Certainly. I'm, I'm telling you what I saw, what happened after that, if there were any additional stabbings or... I'm, I'm sorry, it, 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 it's a little hazy, I suppose. Hazy. If it's all hazy, then your <laughs> testimony means nothing to this court. Well, that's a rude way to put it. I'm, I'm simply saying that, yes, the details were a bit traumatic. No further questions, Your Honor. Thank you so much. Thank you, Miss Hera. Please, uh, you, you may sit there. Defense, any further witnesses? The defense would like to call Dart McNeil to the stand, please. Ah, shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and you see Dart McNeil bumbles up and uh, sits down at the bench and he goes, All right, I'm, uh, I'm here. So, Mr. McNeil, is it true that we, the defendants or a few of us at any rate, questioned you and Miss Hera together in your tavern yesterday. You see his eyes kind of dart around. Mr. McNeil, just look at me, please. Thank you. <laughs> please answer the question. I, I glare at McNeil, and hopefully he remembers a conversation we had in the past about a certain cheating cat Hera. Okay, I was going to say roll a persuasion check with disadvantage, but roll a persuasion check flat. 18. Yeah. <gasps> the jury gasps. <laughs> Plus one to the defense. Yes. Thank you, Mr. McNeil. And um, you said that you had also arrived in town with Miss Hera the night the event occurred and after the events had already occurred. Is this correct? Yes. <gasps> Plus one to the defense. Yes. Miss Hera was in fact not there nor witness to the murder. No. Thank you, Your Honor, and thank you, Mr. McNeil. No further questions from the defense. Well done, Jessica. That's I am upgrading you to senior assistant of my staff, Jessica. <laughs> well done. Prosecution, you are welcome to cross-examine the witness. Hmm. One second, Your Honor. <laughs> Your Honor, we don't have all day. Prosecution had plenty of time to prepare. The prosecution has no questions for the witness, Your Honor. Yeah! Yeah. Let's go. Dorothy's just gonna, like, put her hand out for Jessica to just give her, like, a little high five, like, really discreetly under the table. And Jessica smacks it. (laughs) Thomas chest bumps uh, Gary. (laughs) And Gary falls out of his chair and onto the floor. (laughs) (laughs) Does the prosecution have any further witnesses? The prosecution does not, Your Honor. Whoa. Uh, the defense would like to call Ostragon the wizard to the stand. Is he here? No, he's not. We have sworn testimony in writing. The defense would like to submit written testimony by Ostragon, the town's wizard. 
All right, please present it. Uh, he just hobbles over, tries to reach the judge all the way up there, but can't with the paper. So he's jumping. The, the judge is also a dwarf, so he like crawls over the desk, and like his feet are barely still on the desk, and he's like reaching down to grab it, and he finally grabs it. Yeah, there you go. And he looks it over, and he he reads the testimony aloud to the jury, and they go, hmm. Uh, while it has been noted and added to the court record, I don't quite see the point the uh, defense is getting at. And at that point, two doors in the back slam open. <laughs> and you hear, The defense calls Ostragon the wizard to the stand. <laughs> and you see this ancient wizard walking with a big staff. He's in these classic dark robes, and he has a long, wispy gray beard. But he's only about three feet tall because he is a goblin. And he seats himself down on the witness stand. And you see everyone gasp, go, <gasps> especially the people from the town who have probably never seen Ostragon in person. Uh, Mr. Ostragon. Yes. You are a, a very knowledgeable wizard, are you not, for lack of a better term? I believe so, yes, that would be. Doable as a title. Are you aware of the ancient history of the the Chingua? The Chwingas. The Chwingas. Would you like to inform the court what exactly the Chwingas are? Certainly. The Chwingas are incredibly rare, small, shy, elemental spirits. They have a fascination with humanoids. Uh, they, They take the shape of small, usually no taller than a foot, uh, humans, completely black, small light faces, they look like masks, spindly hair, long limbs, and if treated properly and with respect, they uh, sometimes bestow blessings upon humans, or humanoids, I should say. And uh, would you know someone who happens to bestow sacrificial gifts to the Chingwa every now and then? Well, I, I don't know about the Twingers. Uh, I have not left my tower in quite some time and they are rather rare so I suppose they could have taken up residence somewhere in the area in the last two centuries however I am aware the defendant is it Mr. Job the Kobold would often work with me to produce offerings to take to an old worshipping site in the forest nearby that is correct and the defendant has uh, stated that they uh, often believe in the Chingwa and and make their own sacrifices, and uh, lives near the Chingwa in this town. And and you, you hear Job in the background go, is that what that was? was <laughs> yes, oh. yes, that is, yes. Wow, I, I'm really going to have to rethink my spirituality, but please continue, this is actually quite interesting. Now, uh, I'd like to address the murder weapon itself, Your Honor. You see, the uh, pitchfork, uh, the blood only appears on the handle, and not on the prongs. We also see that the prongs are bent and skewed, and how strange that is if it was stabbed into the flesh of a humanoid. So, uh, gifts of the Chingua, these include magical blessings, do they not, Mr. Ostrogon? That is correct. Could it be that a certain magical blessing was bestowed upon Mr. Uh, Job here to uh, defend him from any sort of fatal uh, 
wounding. Well, the gifts are rather unpredictable, I suppose. That that would be possible, yes. Objection, this is absolute conjecture. We we have no proof of a Twingo, or if they even really exist. Could be just reading about some fairy tale. And even if they were real, we have no proof that the gift that was bestowed is the one they say. I'm getting to the point, Your Honor. Please allow me. Objection overruled. Please continue, defense. Mr. Joe, we believe was stabbed by Mr. Ansel. However, the effect was reversed through the blessing of the Chingwa, as if puncturing a voodoo doll uh, to affect oneself. So the three prongs that were inserted into Mr. Job were instead inserted into Mr. Ansel. Uh, I would now like to call Miss Dot to the floor, if she wouldn't mind. It'd be my pleasure, of course. And Dorothy's gonna stand up and make her way over to the floor. You see Ostrogon, like, puts his fingers in a little tent and, like, nods his face, like, very interested. <laughs> you see, ladies and gentlemen of the court, Miss Dot here has made a certain sacrificial uh, gift to the Chingwa. Thank you, lass! <laughs> <laughs> and has befriended one. And she, too, has been given the effects that I have uh, stated. So if you'll oh allow me. Don't stab her. You'll die. <laughs> Gary pulls out a little hand axe, mm -hmm. and he grabs Dot's hand, mm -hmm. and he gently cuts the back of her hand with the axe. As you do so, the entire courtroom is watching with rapt attention. You see Monique Valentine is just, like, dripping sweat. <laughs> and as you carve into Jot's metal hands, the entire courtroom sees an X appear on yours as you begin yeah. bleeding and take a point of damage. I put the X away and I show the back of my hand to everybody. <gasps> Plus one to the defense. Yes. Plus two to the defense. Yes. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No further questions, Your Honor. And I wink at Ostrogon. Ostrogon winks back and Judge Gardner goes, I suppose the prosecution is welcome to cross-examine. And you see Monique kind of leans in uh, and is like looking through her papers and is thinking and goes, The prosecution rests, Your Honor. She's given up, I see. No further witnesses from the defense, Your Honor. Roll for examination. Come on, come on. How was Zeus? 15. Well, the prosecution got a 24. Whoa. We wow. had an airtight defense. That's bullshit. <laughs> However, they only managed to sway two jurors in their direction, and they were already on your side. So, you have six and two are neutral. Oh, interesting. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, cool, cool. If the defense and prosecution have no further witnesses, we may move on to closing statements. The prosecution is satisfied, Your Honor. Prosecution? Your closing statement. Good people of the jury, when we set forth this system of courts, the common people sought to establish justice for man, myrrh, and monster alike to end the tyranny and lawlessness of ages past. Those who refuse to abide by this system seek to bring chaos and danger to our loved ones. This is not just a trial for the murder of a single man. It is a trial to defend the rights of that partner's livelihood. With one swift motion, the defendant has wrought havoc on an ever-expanding network and seeks to destroy the greater society that we cherish. I see no other possible verdict here. Regardless of what's been presented, clearly the defendant has caused punishable harm. You must find the defendant guilty. May justice prevail. 
Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> defense, please, your closing statements. May justice prevail indeed. So, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we have discovered many things today. Not only did we discover that our client is innocent due to the testimony given by our little friend Gary here, we have proven that no one was able to confirm or deny that our client was necessarily even there due to how dark it was at night. But we also figured out today that we were dealing with a town full of, quite frankly, liars. <laughs> we have been lied to in this court many times. There was one witness that lied to even knowing us, which was not true, lied to the entry point of the wound delivered to the person that was murdered. And there are individuals in this courtroom that are dealing with poisons that they claim to be getting high on. So not only is our client very, very innocent, but there are quite quite a few guilty people here in this court today that I demand be arrested for uh, all the crimes they have committed here on our beautiful floor. All right, Tommy, Tommy boy, okay, let's not And get, now, okay. I rest my case. I'm going to give you plus three. Yes. <laughs> yes. Roll for closing statements. Oof. 19. Well, the prosecution got a 6. Nice. <laughs> Roll a d8. Let's go. 3. <laughs> Thank you very much. I do declare the jury may now convene to offer a verdict. The jury leaves the room for a moment, convene, they discuss, you kind of nervously wait. All the witnesses are just ogling at Ostrogon, you see Monique Valentine is like just sitting there at the desk with her head in her hands. Job is like beside you going, uh, wh wow, we we learned a lot today, huh? Oh, yes. Yeah. Hey, listen, Job, you got lucky this time, but you, you really ought to be careful and more considerate with the things you do. Yeah, you're probably right. I mean, they need a farmer, right? Maybe I can farm for them i think oh. that would that would be a good way to uh make up for the wrongdoings you've caused them you could help the daughter go to school for art that would be very nice of you you know i i always dedicated my life to worshiping the evil spirits but uh, i could be a daddy oh. the evil spirits um what um sorry the the big sleeping dragon uh -huh. tiamat <gasps> oh no i'm a big fan i'd love to meet him all right, let's just let's let's wait for the uh, jury to come back. All right, and then after a short while, the jury re-enters the room. A dwarven man with a short beard in a very tight suit goes, "Your Honor, by a vote of eight to zero, the jury finds the defendant not guilty." Hey. You see Mia's head drop as Monique leans back in her chair and puts her hands up to her eyes in frustration. And for the first time, you think you see a subtle smile flash across Job's scaly mouth. In the case of Job the Kobold, by the power vested in me by the people of the Eastern Orgaic region, I do declare the defendant not guilty. And he bangs his gavel. Thomas takes a little pouch that he keeps beside him and throws glitter into the air. <laughs> 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 All right. We've done it, team. <laughs> Congratulations, defense. Case dismissed. 
Thank you, Your Honor. Oh, I thank you, Your Honor, so much. You enjoy the rest of your day. And as you guys head out to kind of the lobby area of the courtroom, one of the reclaimers comes and basically sets Tobe free, undoes the bindings on his hand, gives him a little bag with some belongings, and he goes, um, I, I don't think I've ever thanked anyone before, but thanks. Oh, yeah, you're most welcome. It's absolutely our pleasure. Justice always prevails, Job. I... I don't have much, and even if you did get me off, I was planning on telling you to fuck off, but after all that, uh, I I got some thinking to do. Maybe here I I have this little gold ore I was going to go give at the altar. You can have it. Thanks. We can split that. And as you grab it, you realize it is about 15 gold pieces worth of ore. Uh, (laughs) Well, I'd like to have that blessing, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I thought I was worshipping Tiamat, but I was really worshipping a Twinga? That's correct. Yeah, so, Joe, listen, you might not get so lucky next time, and uh, we might not, might not be there to defend you. So uh, please be careful. I will, thanks. Oh, it's going to be a long walk. It's fine. I used to run track and field. And he runs out of the courtroom. Thank you. Oh, my. Now, if uh, the rest of you don't mind... um. Uh, do you remember when I was asking about the bathroom in the tavern, Thomas? Oh, dear. Um, I really need to go. And you just see Jessica run to the restroom. As you're about to run to the restroom, Judge Gardner comes out. He puts a hand on your shoulder like you're running, and he, like, without meaning to hold you in place. And he says, excellent work out there. Valentine's no pushover. Think we'll be seeing more of you around these parts? Oh, you certainly will, Your Honor. No need to worry about that. Well, if we can afford it, yeah. Well, I'm sure your name will be held in high esteem. That was quite a trouncing you gave her back there. Thomas bows to him and says, Yes, <laughs> Your Honor, thank you very yeah. much for these kind words. Well, good luck. She she, uh, she certainly has you in her sights now, I do declare. <laughs> the people should count themselves lucky to have you defending them. I hope your firm is paying you well. And Judge Gardner goes about his business. <laughs> as soon as Jessica feels the pressure release from her shoulder, she runs to the bathroom. And then Thomas grabs her shoulder again no! and says, Now listen here, assistants. I just wanted to really say a really quick message to all of you. Gary Dot. Jessica, Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I I was considering firing you after this case, but you did wonderfully today, and, um, well, I'm willing to hire you on as, uh, all of you senior assistants to, uh, remain at the firm and, uh, continue to assist me in, you know, all the cases that I have going for me in the future. If, uh, if you'll have me, I, I, I would, I would be, uh, you know pretty neutral to have all of you. It would be an absolute pleasure. Now, can I please go to the bathroom, yeah? <laughs> yes, Jessica. Goodbye. Good to have you. Thank you. And Jessica, like, as she's running away, you kind of see, like, a small trail of liquid left behind her. Uh, um, yes. And she runs to the bathroom. Beautiful. As the rest of you head back outside, you wait around, and Gary, you pet Tony the Pony as your rental period expires. <gasps> uh-uh. And you see the Cyclops across the way begin to cross the street and he says, Well, I hope you enjoyed your time with Tony the Pony. I need me some glue. Wait, one, uh, I'll be right back. I'm, I'd like to buy that horse off you. I'm sorry? Gary? You're going to buy Tony the Pony? 
Well, for the right price, yeah. Well, he costs 30 gold pieces. Uh, he's looking more like a 20, let's be honest. Roll of persuasion. Oh, fuck me. Five. <laughs> he, he got a two. <gasps> ah, you know what? Damn it. They were only paying me 15 to turn him to glue anyways. Yeah, I'll take the 20. All right, I'll be right back with the gold. Please do not turn him into gold just yet, uh, to glue just yet. All right, you better hurry. Our nearest shop to buy the gems, <laughs> fucking jewelry, jeweler. You know, Which Gary, this somewhere. is a lot of trouble for a dirty horse that we don't hey, need. Now. Tony the Pony, a hopeful tear runs down his face. <laughs> uh, Miss Gary, Bear, just uh, give him the gems. The Cyclops pets Tony the Pony and looks at him with hungry eyes. At this point, Jessica is starting to exit the courtroom and you see her with her mirror and she's just checking her hair, just going, oh yeah, that's absolutely gonna be fine by me. And then she puts the mirror back in her purse and is coming down the stairs. So what's going on, team? I need five gold from you, please, sweetheart. I'll I'll pay it back. Um, okay. And, uh... (laughs) Jessica reaches into her purse, takes out the five gold pieces that she had left, and gives it to him. So I bring him the five gold and the little ore that was uh, presented to us. He picks up the ore and holds it to his one eye. The eye squints. He bites it a little bit, and he goes, All right, have fun with Tony the Pony. (sighs) Goodbye, Tony. And he gives him a little smack. Thank you. All right. Gary, I hope you have a bath to give that horse. I hope you have food. To give it, because uh, well, you're going to be the one taking care of it, mister. Well, it's my horse. Yeah, I didn't ask you to do it. I'm going to take him home, all right? I don't know what money you have to do all those things, but... Well, I got to get these gems appraised so I can sell them already. As you brush Tony the Pony, you look at your gems, all of you celebrating this wondrous victory of court today. The, a full, unanimous, not guilty vote. You guys try and hop back onto your two horses and one pony... As you see Monique Valentine eyeing you as she steps into a beautiful parked iron caravan. The driver whips the six horses and they take off, leaving you in a cloud of dust. This has been Your Honor. Your Honor features the vocal talents of Amanda Fernandez Acosta as Dorothy Arms, Nicholas Palazzo as Thomas Phelps, Michael Pisani as Jessica Felcher, and Nicholas Benetados as Gary Markbile. The rest of the world is voiced by your DM, Giancarlo Herrera. This episode was edited by Michael Pisani and Giancarlo Herrera with sound design by Nicholas Benetados. If you'd like to support the show, consider checking out the links in the show notes or go to patreon.com slash dreamers. Our patrons get access to exclusive perks like our after-the-show show, After the Drimbus, where we discuss behind the scenes and secrets, free exclusive merch, and the chance to create items for the campaign or have NPCs named after you. Oh, and don't forget to tweet using hashtag Drimbus to be entered to win a free Dungeons & Drimbus sticker. Thank you all so much for listening, and I do declare I'll see you all next week.
Excellent work, dearie. You were in a tight spot. Everyone's impressed with your... tenacity. Oh, I have your next assignment, by the way. Kill the Warforged. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Edgar said to the interviewer he was convinced that the thing out there wasn't a vault. Yeah, I know what he thought. Dr. Edgar's didn't think it was designed to keep things out. I know what he, he thought. thought. it was designed to keep something in. Do you even understand the difficulty trying to keep a base like Fathom at the bottom of the ocean from killing everyone in it on a daily basis? Oh my god. Everyone hold on to something. I think whatever is on the other side of that door out there, it's not friendly. I think it's trying to get out. That, my friend, is a dire combination. That's a bad sign. Get out of the door! It's spreading like some kind of technological contagion. We can either stop it here or watch the world burn. Fathom, the first season of Derelict. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Or learn more at derelictpodcast.com.